Salo Falava, you're listening to Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. Uloingwa Osusana Suiswiki. Coming up first. We don't really have much to offer our leaders beyond politics. Five former leaders of Vanuatu are contesting in their country's elections. Also, the need for well-informed and balanced facts and opinions is critical to benefit our Pacific people. The Pacific Media Summer officially begins in Solomon Islands. And later on, sports helps people to tap into their own, I think, self-empowerment. We tell our know with Phaedra Knight and Dr. Jen Welters, who are in Samoa running the U.S. sports program aimed at young women. Five former Prime Ministers of Vanuatu and the incumbent are lining up to contest the election on October 13th. They are Sajvo O in Santo, Charlotte Salwai and Amlini on Pentecost, Sato Kilman on Malikula, and Joe Natuman and the outgoing Prime Minister Bob Lofman on Tana. Don Wiseman spoke with Associate Professor at the Griffith Asia Institute, Tess Newton Kane, and began by asking what drives these former leaders to carry on seeking a parliament seat. Well, I mean, I think that's an interesting question, and I think one of the reasons. And um, you know, a few, a couple of years ago, my then colleagues Dan McGarry and Kiri Manasseh wrote a piece on this, and one of the things that they noted is that in Vanuatu, as in other small countries, we don't really have much to offer our leaders beyond politics. So you know, we have one president, so they could go down that route. We have a very small number of ambassadors that you might offer senior people back to. So there's no real incentive for them to move out of the, of those leadership spaces because there isn't really anything for that kind of like in that kind of like senior statesman roles. I think that's one of the reasons that that keeps them where they are. Obviously, there's a financial reason to stay. It's a good salary with allowances for travel and housing and all of those things. And it would be a bit strange if people wanted to give those up. But we do see people hanging on for a long time. And often we see one of the reasons we've had previously so many parties is because of a reluctance to seed leadership of parties to younger people or the next generation coming through. And so that causes people to go off and set up new parties or if they can't manage the leadership pipeline very well. So it, but it does lead to this sense of this kind of almost this recycling of people that have been there before. That's not, not necessarily a bad thing. You know, I mean, I think I was talking with a colleague from Vanuatu recently and he said that he was concerned that there was a bit of a push from the Young Turks, if you like, to do away with the older generation and, and that meant that they were losing a lot of wisdom and a lot of experience that the younger generation doesn't necessarily have. So I think it's kind of a, you know, it has its pros and its cons. They could lose these young Turks, though, couldn't they? There have been a number who have been trying to push through uh, over the last 10 or 15 years and, and haven't got there yet. They may just run out of enthusiasm. Well, that's right. And I guess, you know, I think that that's always the possibility. We've seen a bit of a movement over the last little while of people who had well-established careers in the public service and that they've then moved into politics. What we're seeing this time, I've seen a couple of people that are standing that are coming out of the private sector. So they're stepping away from business interests and looking at politics. For some people in Vanuatu, and I see this particularly among my friends that are kind of maybe just a little bit younger than me, so sort of mid-40s, middle to late 40s to middle to late 50s, 
there is almost like an expectation that going into politics will be part of what they do, whether, you know, that kind of is, is always on the cards and it's a case of when they do it. So that always seems to be something that's in contemplation for them. What would you be hoping to see emerge from this new parliament? Uh, I was reminded by somebody that last time we had snap elections, which I think was 2016, we then went on to have a parliament that sat for the full term with one prime minister. I think that was Charlotte Falwai. So, you know, it may be that this will, you know, my hope would be that this snap election will provide for a reset of that site that then allows for a period of stability and that allows for, you know, government to really either put in place policies or even just keep in, keep going with policies. You know, Vanuatu is still very much in the emerging stages of coming out of the the impact of the COVID pandemic and there are some really significant economic straight, you know, economic stresses that they're needing to deal with. I would also hope to see that we would have some women in the parliament. As you know, as things currently stand, there haven't been women in this parliament that's just come to an end. That's not looking particularly hopeful at this stage. I've seen one woman nominated. And I think that the snap elections, the fact that it's snap elections has possibly caused an impediment there. I think there were a few women that were possibly thinking, oh, yes, 2024, I can see that. I can put in place a pathway to be in the right place when 2024 comes. And then, of course, now it's not 2024. Everything's been thrown up in the air to an extent. And so those people that were on a pathway for 2024 may feel that they're not ready at this stage. And I think that will have a particular impact on some of the women that were maybe planning on standing. So I would love to see that there would be women in the next parliament, but it's not something that I'm feeling particularly hopeful about at this stage. Pacific media practitioners, experts and academics were officially welcomed to Solomon Islands last night for the 2022 Pacific Media Summit. Two days of pre-summit workshops have already been held, but an official welcome ceremony took place at the Heritage Park Hotel to welcome representatives of Pacific media organisations. RNZ Pacific senior journalist Koroi Hawkins is in Honiara. Solomon Islands government ministers, heads of diplomatic missions, UN and crop agencies and local dignitaries joined the senior Pacific media representatives for a lively evening, the like of which has not been held since the last gathering in Tonga in 2018. It is a pleasure and a proud moment for me to stand here tonight on behalf of the Media Association of Solomon Islands, Masi, and the Pacific Islands News Association, Pina, to welcome you to the 6th Pacific Summit here in Honiara. In welcoming guests and visitors, the president of the Solomon Islands Media Association, Georgina Kikia, acknowledged the many challenges that had to be overcome to bring everyone together this week. A few have lost their luggage along the way. One has to make a distress call at two in the morning seeking approval to come into Solomon Islands. One went to the wrong hotel. But in all, it has been fun and wonderful. (laughs) Meeting friends and colleagues we have not met for the past two years or maybe four. The president of the Pacific Islands News Association, Korano, who's also the managing director of Papua New Guinea's National Broadcasting Corporation, outlined some of the main topics for the meeting, such as political and media leadership, rethinking media visibility in the Pacific, digital security and the shrinking space for media freedom. There's a lot of talk about issues here and in, in our region. I'd like to make an appeal here. The government's here to stay. The media's here to stay. It's all about understanding each other's role and working together to make a better possible for us and our children and their children. 
Solomon Islands Minister for Education, Lanel Tananganda, spoke about the importance of digital media as a learning tool, but also of pitfalls such as cyberbullying. Mrs. Tananganda said this highlighted the responsibility that falls on Pacific media practitioners to uphold and adhere to the highest standards of journalism. The need for well-informed and balanced facts and opinions is critical in maximizing opportunities to benefit our consumers and the Pacific. The keynote speaker for the evening was B-Mobile Country Manager Devin Kula. He spoke on the theme of this year's summit, the digital revolution, transforming threats into opportunities for Pacific media. Mr. Kula said in his view, the Pacific was about five years behind the rest of the developed world when it came to digital tech, but this was not necessarily a bad thing. What it does is it allows us to learn from the technologies that are in front of us, from the countries that are in front of us. It allows us to build specialized uh, solutions for our own people uh, based on our culture, based on our region, and for us to grow within that space. But it was Education Minister Lanel Tanangada's earlier closing remarks that summed up the welcome ceremony. I believe together you will reach innovative, pacific solutions and key decisions that will transform current threats into potential opportunities for the Pacific media. My best wishes to a positive, engaging and fruitful week. Thank you, one and all. The Papua New Guinea Red Cross says there are thousands of people who are made homeless by the earthquakes earlier this month. The largest quake, which measured 7.6 magnitude, impacted on a wide area along the northern coast and through the highlands provinces. The Secretary-General of the PNG Red Cross, Valachi Guagliata, spoke with Don Wiseman and told him about the work the relief agency is doing. At this point, the Red Cross, uh, we've, we've um, attended to the quakes in, in Medang. They've uh, given them non-food items. But for Lay and Groka, we've yet to attend because they haven't got any items there and we are yet to purchase items from local suppliers to um, attend to the victims. When we talk about items, we mean specifically what? We, we mean tents, mosquito nets, blankets and stuff like that. How many people are needing this sort of material? It's actually a lot of people. They've, they've kind of lost houses that were impacted by the earthquake. So it's about uh, five to 10,000 people that we're looking at. That is yeah. a lot of people. I know. And do you think you've got them all, reached them all? We actually haven't reached them all because our volunteers are trying to attend to the cases which, which they've uh, found out about. But in the remote places, we have, haven't um, attended to them as yet. The last time we got a figure, I think there were 12 people who were understood to have died. Has that figure gone up at all? Uh, no, actually, it hasn't. Um, it, it's, it's a pretty good news, yeah. But a lot of injuries. A lot of injuries, yes. How bad in most cases? Oh, it's pretty bad because uh, we've got cases where entire houses have uh, gone due to the earthquake. The houses have uh, lost uh, one side of the, the wall. Some houses actually broke down. So the damage has been devastating, yeah. And we're talking always traditional houses or are there some modern houses as well that are affected? No, uh, modern houses. What, all modern houses? Some modern houses and some uh, some traditional houses, yeah. So up to 10,000 people, maybe plus, affected. Soon they're going to be needing, well, they're going to need a whole lot more help, aren't they? Yes, yes, they will actually, yeah.
Are you looking for assistance internationally? Right now, I am not because I'm I'm trying to uh, finalize the non-food items to, to lay and grow. But I think I will look for international help um, uh, uh, probably by next week. I should be okay to um, apply for international help. Yeah. Committed to helping young women find their confidence, two sportswomen from the United States are tackling gender inequities in health, education and gender-based violence across the Pacific. Rugby Hall of Famer Phaedra Knight and former NFL coach Dr. Jen Welter, yes, you heard that right, the first female coach for the NFL, are in Samoa as part of the U.S. Embassy sports program, demonstrating the long-lasting impacts that comes of recreational activity. I spoke with both women who shared more details about the program and how sports empowers girls. The Sports Envoy program is a way for the U.S. Embassy to, um, you know, to use sport as a bridge. And I think it's particularly powerful to have women in the roles so that we're not only using sports as a bridge, but also demonstrating um, the power of sport in terms of gender equity. And so... We've had the opportunity to meet with and work with sports uh, women who are leading the community um, with the support of their male allies and some of the young up and coming girls as well. Uh, For me, it's fascinating to be able to put an American football in their hands for the first time. You know, they're so fluid with rugby. um, And so to kind of shake them up and get them out of their comfort zones is fun as well. How does sport and recreation empower women, particularly Pacific women who are most likely to encounter violence? There are many ways that sports helps people to tap into their own, I think, self-empowerment. Uh, and particularly with this demographic, it, it teaches them how to be confident, right? How to own their own confidence. And um, that's something that's obviously been a big part of both Jan and I, our success as athletes, as coaches, as entrepreneurs, um, and so forth. But tapping into that confidence, that 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 wherewithal, that that um, owning that feeling that you can do anything you want to do, and and you know, regardless of the results, you're going to do it. That's a powerful, powerful thing. Um, you know, other values that sport unlocks particularly with this demographic, you know, is the ability to develop good teamwork, the ability to work uh, in cooperation with each other um, and, and, and do that under pressure. How has sports empowered you? I, I guess you can share your own personal stories with this question. So interestingly enough, you know, um, I was a small kid from a small town, you know, um, though I've done big things, I am only five foot two. And the narrative surrounding my early sports career was always, you know, I was too small for this and too small for that. And literally through a combination of rugby and then American football, I learned I could tackle anything. And I actually found that my size wasn't a liability. It was an asset when used as leverage. Um, I found that, you know, in a team, you didn't have to have all of the answers. And I have to just be on an island by yourself. It was about being great together. And then fast forward, um, obviously the narrative around my career then became, you know, one of women in a men's world. 
uh, first being the first woman to play um, men's professional tackle football as a non-kicker um, and to, you know, go toe-to-toe with those guys every day, get back up and do it again, um, and then to coach them. Yeah, for me, it was, you know, growing up in a home where there was quite a bit of domestic violence um, and where I inserted myself time after time to try to protect my mother, um, it was an outlet. It was an outlet for me to go out and just just not, uh, you know, feel like I was responsible. I could be a kid. And so I would, I would run out, you know, after these terrible fights uh, and, and play basketball, right? I'd go into this, you know, clay court, <laughs> Georgia kid clay court, and I would just play till, to, you know, to my heart's content. And it was there where I just imagined and visualized myself being this professional athlete one day. Um, I, I, you know, I wasn't sure, but, you know, what it would be, but thought maybe basketball, but what, I didn't see it. You know, it wasn't something that was really a reality at that point um, for women, but it's still something that I felt very deeply in my heart and I visualized. That's Pacific Ways for today. Remember, you can download us for free to your device from Spotify, iHeart, or Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Manuele Vayaso, Tofasoi Fuwa.